0: Welcome to the Media Ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? What a beautiful fall morning. I'm so joyed to be here with you this morning. Please join me in in prayer. Lord, we thank you, God, for your your church that is a lighthouse in Aspen and a lighthouse in the Roaring Fork Valley. God, I, I just pray... Uh, for this message this morning, Lord, that you would speak through me. Thank you, God, that your word is truth. Your word is power. And, Lord, you have called us out of darkness and into your wonderful light. Lord, we praise you and we love you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think of all the stupid things you've done and never got caught. <laughs> And now think of those things when you did get caught. What went through your head? You weren't like, yay, my reign of terror is coming to an end. You were thinking, now the fun stops. I got busted. What would have happened if you never got caught? You would have kept right on living the way you were. Sometimes getting caught is God's mercy and grace, keeping us from going deeper and deeper into sin and rebellion. Isn't that true? We all need a place to turn when we hit rock bottom. When things get bad, where do you go? We need a home base. We need the love of the family and a place to be ourselves in the midst of our mistakes. The subject of this sermon is the compassion of God as seen through the parable of the prodigal son. In this sermon, you will see God's compassion and a door that is wide open to sinners. I'm a member of a ministry called the Gideons, and we place Bibles like this one and bigger ones in hotel rooms and nursing homes and prisons and military institutions all over the world. So we have these incredible testimonies that come in from all over. And I'm going to tell you two prodigal testimonies to start this off. First one is a boy named Alejandro. One of his neighbors was giving away some furniture, and he was very excited to receive this nightstand. And he opened the drawer, and one of these little testaments was right inside. He began to read the Bible and was captivated by the story. Sometime later, Alejandro heard kids singing Christian songs in his neighborhood, and he asked them, where did you guys learn these songs? And they said, well, we learn them at church. Do you want to come with us? So Alejandro asked his dad, hey, dad, can I go to church? And his dad was like, definitely not. He disobeyed and went to church anyway. He showed them this little testament because he wanted them to explain it. One of the elders began to teach Alejandro. Alejandro accepted Jesus Into his heart. His father noticed some dramatic changes in his life and instructed his older brother to go to church with him to find out what they were teaching. He went with him and was also saved. After seeing the change in both their boys, the mom and dad decided that they should personally attend church with the kids. They started to attend regularly. His mother received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and her life was transformed. The father was an alcoholic. He surrendered his heart to Christ and also changed his life. The second testimony is about a scripture distribution in a prison in Slovakia. And the Gideons were passing out the word of God through the cell doors. This one prisoner was running his, page, his hands through the pages of the Bible. And he said, You know what these would be good for? As he looked up at the Gideon. And the Gideon said, What? And he said, Rolling cigarettes. And the Gideon said, if you're going to do that, promise me that you'll read every page before you smoke it. And so as he went through, he smoked his way through Matthew. (laughs) He smoked his way through Mark. He smoked his way through Luke. And by the time he got to John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And with that, this prisoner gave his life to the Lord. The Gideon returned the next year and heard of this wonderful news. Today, look to your left and to your right. In front of you and behind you, there are people who have come to Jesus, former prodigals, people who spent their lives on themselves and worldly pursuits, but now live for God, his kingdom, and his glory. This is his will. He chose them and called them out of darkness. He called them out of of darkness. God has a plan greater than we can ever expect or imagine. So I'm going to preach out of Luke chapter 15 for reference is the story of the prodigal son. A little background leading up into Luke chapter 15, Jesus has been forgiving sinners, healing paralytics, calling tax collectors to be in his inner circle. The Jews at the time viewed tax collectors as some of the most evil and vile people because they tacked on exorbitant fees on the taxes and were also doing it on behalf of Rome, who was really occupying their their home country. So Jesus was creating quite the stir. The religious elites of his day were called Pharisees. The Pharisees were keeping a close eye on Jesus because he was creating a big disruption to their religious system. They had an order of law following and rule keeping that really was about outer appearance. But on the inside, they didn't know or love God. You can say it was mostly just a show for the Pharisees. They were really bearing down on Jesus for eating with sinners. In the beginning of Luke 15, they were saying about Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Basically, he's fraternizing with prostitutes, tax collectors, and notorious sinners. They were saying this is proof that he's satanic and he's not from God. Well, Why did Jesus eat with sinners? Because it was the Heavenly Father's delight to save them. Jesus was on mission to reclaim sinners, to redeem them. He came for that very purpose, to show the compassion of God. Jesus never participated in their sin. His mission, to be with sinners, he took his ministry to the darkest places. Where there is the most darkness, his light shone the brightest. In response to their allegations, Jesus began to tell three parables. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep. It's about a sheep's stupidity and getting lost from the flock. But the shepherd leaves the 99 and and goes to rescue this one sheep. The second parable is about a woman who loses a coin. That's right, women lose stuff all the time. Don't worry, I do too. How do you feel when you lose something? You just want it back. You're wondering, where did I put it? What happened to it? You're curious to find where it's been. When I lose my phone, sometimes I feel like I've lost an arm. I can't sleep, depressed. Anyway, the woman finds this coin and calls her friends to rejoice. Jesus uses these parables to show the joy in heaven over repentant sinners. The next parable he tells is the parable I'm going to focus on called the prodigal son. Jewish laws of inheritance were set up at this time to preserve family wealth for generations and family structure down the line from one male in the family to the next. The father had two sons in this story, and the younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate, my inheritance. So in asking the father for his inheritance, the son had complete disregard for the Jewish law and the system. His share of the estate would not be coming to him until his father had passed away. So basically he was saying, dad, you're in my way. I want your money. I want it now. I want to go and do what I want. You, might as well, you may as well be dead. Does anyone remember what the fifth commandment of the Bible is in the Old Testament of the, of the Ten Commandments? It's to honor your father and mother. The, sh- the son shows complete disregard and even asking this question. He doesn't want to wait for his inheritance. He wants it now. You know, the father could have slapped him in the face for even making such a ridiculous request, publicly shamed him, and disowned him. Once a child is rebellious and has been kicked out of the house, there's almost no way for him to regain his position in the family. He would be required to pay restitution for the things he had taken and the dishonor he had caused to the family. In Israel at this time, most of the communities were agrarian in nature. And the word would quickly spread that the son had made such a ridiculous request. And even more so that the father was willing to give the son what he was asking for, his livelihood and his hard earned estate. This would bring major shame to the father in this community. So basically the father had two choices. He could either give the son what he's asking for or completely disown him. The father chooses to give the son his share of the inheritance. This reaction of the father depicts God's love and mercy for a rebellious humanity. 2 Peter 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. So the father doesn't hesitate to give the son what he's asking. We are free to do as we want with our lives. We're made in his image as creators. And the son wants to create a life for himself outside the watchful eye of his father. He's bored with life in the country. He wants to live life on his own terms. It's like his brother's been telling him about Coachella and Burning Man. And he just wants to get out of the house and see it for himself. Soon, the son is packing his bags, and he's off on a journey. On this journey, he's off to a distant land. This means outside the nation of Israel. He left the authority of the father, living in his house and honoring him. The son, in order to get the cash for this trip, likely had to have the equivalent of a garage sale with all the family heirlooms his father had just given him. To get out quickly, he had to sell things at discounted prices for far less than they were worth. When he left, he severed ties with his father. Out from under his watchful eye, his authority, and away from his brother. So the word says that the son squandered his wealth with reckless living. You have to imagine he went and bought some fancy clothes. He had luxurious transportation, lavish accommodation. With all his money, he was surrounded by friends. He had beautiful women under his arms. What does the word prodigal mean? It means wastefulness, immoderation, promiscuity, and moral debauchery. The money went fast. He spent some on friends. The women took some of it. He was living large. He was delighting himself in all the things his money could buy. What is addiction? When you become a slave to sin and lust. This young man was wasting the best part of his life on self-indulgence. That knew no Bounds. He found himself in bondage, so much so that his fortune dwindled in the pursuit of pleasure. Imagine that, his fortune dwindled in the pursuit of pleasure. A famine hits in the land, and utter desperation sets in. We cannot imagine famine in our culture. We have fast food options on almost every block in America. With the rise of Uber Eats and Grubhub, you can have whatever you want in a matter of minutes. In the Middle East, famine was common in years of drought. In the history of famines, people ate bark, grass, clay, even roots, sometimes even resorting to cannibalism. In the Irish potato famine... It killed over 1 million people, 10% of Ireland's population. In the 1930s, Stalin was believed to have deliberately caused a famine, killing countless millions in Ukraine. In famine, people are driven mad by hunger. It's a level of desperation you and I cannot even imagine. So, the Pharisees, as they're listening to this story, must have thought his mistakes are compounding. He's getting what he deserves, and now he's going to starve. When the famine hits, his friends are gone. He was hungry, jobless, homeless. He went from place to place looking for work and came up empty. Finally, he found a job feeding pigs. This is also something we can't imagine, so I'm going to depict it for you. There was a documentary about a pig farm in in Nevada. And you know those huge Las Vegas buffets? When the buffet is over and the clock has ticked, it's, it's done, they take all the food from the buffet and put it in the trash. And there's these pig slop trucks that come around and systematically get the trash from the buffets and load it into the slop truck and in the desert heat by the time the slop truck arrives to the pig farm it is turned into a nauseating semi-liquid stew of leftover buffet trash they put it on a conveyor belt and pick the trash and the plastics out of it everything that's not biodegradable and then they heat it up to kill any bacteria and they cool it down and funnel it into the pig troughs. And the pigs are literally squealing and, pu- and pushing each other out of the way to get to this slop. Sounds nice, right? That's so much. So for the son, this is as low as he could go. Imagine him there in fancy clothes, muddy And stinky with the pigs. As he fed them rotten meat and veggies, his stomach banged with hunger. At this moment, he was disillusioned. When he left his father's house, he was thinking the world had something better to offer. This young man's dreams had become nightmares. When he left the house, he was thinking freedom, luxury, I just need to get out of the house. But the opposite happened. He now found himself enslaved at a pig farm and in utter poverty. The party was over for him. When he was at home, he thought to himself if I can spend my dad's money, I'll be satisfied. If I can have the things my heart desires, I'll be satisfied. Not only did it not satisfy him, he had nothing left of value. He was broken and disillusioned. The world was not all it was cracked up to be. And let me tell you, all sin is like this. It makes these huge promises, but comes short on real value every time. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, Missed a few slides here. Matthew verse uh, chapter 7 verse 13 says this. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The son had entered this wide path and he was reaping destruction from it. When you hear about the narrow and the wide path, why is the narrow path so narrow? Let me tell you, because it's going in the opposite way of culture. It's going against the grain of the world. Righteousness and holiness are contrary to the way the world is going. Today, you may not be in a physical pig pen, but are you in a spiritual pig pen? Unforgiven sin, squandered life, Squandered inheritance Not worthy to be called a son or a daughter For the way you've lived Have you ever felt that way? That is what it feels like To be a prodigal For the Pharisees This story keeps getting more and more depraved A life of reckless sin Now this Jewish boy Is with the pigs in the pig pen As Jesus described the prodigal son he added every kind of defilement possible, heaping on more and more disgrace to this young man's life. At this moment, in the pig pen, in the filth, in the mire, in the dirt, in the stink, in the rottenness of the pigs, he thought to himself, my father. He remembered his dad's wealth and that his servant's, had more than enough. In his hopeless state of desperation, what he really needed was bread and a bed. The second part of Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. He realizes his father's kindness and love, and he turns his heart away from his sin and his past and back towards the father. This is true repentance. In the days that armies would march, a commander and leader of the army could simply say to the army that was marching, repent, and they would turn and march in the other direction. That's what true repentance is, turning and going in the other direction. As he considers making this trek home, he's thinking of what to say. He's trying to come up with a story to tell his father. He's thinking, this sounds good. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. With that, he gets up out of the pig pen and heads back towards home. This is a turning point in the story that started with the young man. The alternative was to die there with the pigs and eat their rotten food. The pigs were probably like, we got a new pig in here. He doesn't look like us, but man, he smells like us. The son was in desperation. Absolute rock bottom, pig bottom. True repentance is coming to a place where you've had honest assessment with the life you've been living? Have you been running from the Father? Have you been skirting your relationship with Him? Part of His speech to the Father was I've sinned and I'm not worthy of being called your Son. James 4 6 says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I can't convince you of sin. But Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This young man was convicted of his own sin. With a humble heart, he turned back to the Father. He realized he had sinned against God and he was seeking restoration. Today, in our postmodern culture, the selfie generation, we can minimize the idea of sin, that God isn't concerned about it, and that redemption, atonement are outdated concepts. I'm going to show you that this is not true. For the Lord your God, is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. That's Second Chronicles 30, verse 9. So the father, as the son was squandering his inheritance, the father wondered about him continuously. What are his friends like? How's it going with all that money I gave you? What are you doing on Sunday morning? Where are you spending your time? Do you ever think of your father and mother? The father waited patiently for the son. He waited for him to do life on his own schedule, on his own basis. He waited for him to go outside the house and do the things that were not allowed inside the house. Jesus is describing the heavenly father's attitude towards you and me. The father waited for a long, long time. He didn't give up on his son returning home. Maybe he's not coming. Maybe he will. But he remained watching. The father wanted his son to return home soon because he knew that sin would ultimately destroy the son. Sin will keep the son from everything he really wanted. So when the son was a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Compassion is defined as this, deep awareness of the suffering of another accompanied by the wish to relieve it. When he was on his way back, the son would have walked into the village of this town And people would have said, now you're returning? In rags? What happened to you? The father isn't going to take you back. You're an outcast. You blew it. You're finished. Nothing can save you. Before this happened, the father came running. The son, you know, he should have been running to the father. So a little bit about the culture of this day. Men wore long tunics that covered their legs, and it was a shame for a man to reveal his legs. The father, when he ran, would have exposed his legs, and this his shame. People would have seen him running. The father was willing to expose his shame in order for the son to face no further ridicule. Arabic translations of the Bible leave out the word running and say the father hurried, Any picture of running in the Middle Eastern culture was a disgrace to a man. When they met, the son begins to confess, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. And he doesn't even get his whole speech out. And the father is embracing him with tears of joy. He'd been longing for his son's return. The Pharisees were thinking, they're going to meet and the father is going to bring down his hand of judgment, the hammer of judgment. He'll put him outside the land and make him work to pay restitution for the rest of his life. Instead, what happens? The father offers instant forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of our own doing it is a gift from God. The payment of sin was paid for once in all time by the sacrificial death of Jesus. He died that agonizing shameful death on the cross. Isaiah 53 5 says but he was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. It is by his wounds that we are healed. At this moment, the father is literally hanging on the neck of the son, so overjoyed to see him, he can't stop the flow of tears and the feeling of relief that the son has returned home. So what does the father do? Instead of banishing him to servitude and labor until his debts are paid, he instructs the servants to kill the fattened calf to get the finest robe and put a ring on his finger. They rejoiced over the son who was now back in the house. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees in this moment, this is what God thinks of sinners. I'm not going to get into the older son, but he was very grumpy about the younger son returning home, and he was complaining to the father, you never gave me a fattened calf or even a goat for me and my friends. The truth about this story is there was really two prodigal sons here. One was inside the house and one was outside the house. The father was rejoicing that one had come from death to life. To his older son, he reminded him, Everything I have is yours. What's yours is mine. So at this party, the younger son, you have to imagine, he's coming from this pig pen. Hopelessness. Utter shame and darkness. This party, he's cleaned up. He's got this robe on. He's got the ring. His dignity and self-worth is being restored. In this party, there's great joy, overflowing joy. In our culture today, there is a deficiency of joy. And it is seen by the rise of the entertainment industry. In 2022, the revenue of Netflix was $31.6 billion. People are more over-entertained and over-caffeinated than ever before. We pay for jolts of joy between our favorite Netflix episodes and pumpkin spice lattes. You know, binge-watching episodes for sure falls into the realm of entertainment gluttony. Let me be real with you about joy for a minute. Joy is not found in who I am but it is found in who God is. Happiness, you see, is tied to circumstance. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit and is connected to our relationship with God. In this story of the prodigal son, there's no true joy until the son returns home. You can say, I got a new house, I got a new car, I got a new job, I got a new girlfriend, we all want blessings in our lives for ourselves and for each other. But blessings are not meaningful without God in the middle of it. He is our true source of joy. Because being connected to Him is where real fruit is produced. It's not that I'm a saint, it's that God saved me as a sinner to make me a saint. God is my Redeemer, God is my Savior. God is my friend, and my joy is in what he has done for me. The sacrifice of his son paid the penalty of sin for all time and anyone who would come to him. And it's the hope that I would spend forever in a glorified body with the Lord because of that sacrifice. It's his work and not my own. With my own life, I did spend time running from God. I did some very foolish things, some of which I got caught, some of which I didn't. But God's message to me as I came back to him was, Cameron, I love you, and you are forgiven. I want to speak to two groups in closing. There are some of you that say, I'm not in sin. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm not doing anything that would alienate me from God. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, To the glory of the Father. Have you ever given your life to Him? Have you come home to where you belong with God? Every one of us is looking for two things affirmation and affection. When we're not getting it from God, we look to the world, we look for it on social media. How many likes do I have today? Does my life really matter? Does anyone care about me? Is anyone noticing me? The father gives the older son affirmation. Everything I have is yours. You're my son. You have access to the house. To the younger son, he gives him his affection. Even though you royally screwed up and wasted my estate on lavish parties In the pursuit of pleasure, I still love you. You may say, I'm 50-50. I'm kind of living hard in the party game in Aspen right now. I read my Bible, and I come to church when I feel like it. I don't want to give up my riotous living. I don't need to tell you what riotous living is. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to encourage you to not squander your inheritance. The one thing about sin is that sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. And most importantly, pay more than you want to pay. The riotous life has a cost. But 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In conclusion, the father put a ring on the son. This ring was a symbol of authority. Back in the father's house, right with God, repentant. When we are there with God, living in his will, We have authority over the enemy. We have power. Power to change our communities, our nation, and the world with the hope of the gospel. Authority over darkness. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. So I ask you, are you eager for greater things in your life? I promise there is more to experience with God. But you need to be in his house. Right now, close your eyes. I want you to imagine the Father is sitting on the front porch of a beautiful farmhouse one of those porches that goes all the way around the house. He's sitting there in the early morning light with the wheat gently swaying in the breeze as the sun comes up. He's looking at the horizon for repentant sinners to come home. Are you one of those today? And guys, with your your heads continuing to be bowed and your eyes closed, I want to call prodigals home. Is there anyone in this room who has been running and wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Anyone who's wanting to come back to the house? Just raise your hand. Anyone out there that is wanting to come back into the Father's house? Guys, thank you for for listening today. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And we will have a ministry team up here for prayer. Please come up and pray with the ministry team. If you would like, we are here for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.